0: Hello, rule breakers, change makers, and all around cool, multicultural women. This is Alisa. I am the producer for the What Rules podcast, and we are all about how to outsmart the game to advance in your career. This summer, we have something really special for you. Once a month, we're bringing back some of our favorites and some of our most popular episodes. For today, we're going back to episodes 28 and 29. Honestly, you don't even need to remember that because we're putting them all together for you. The topic is friendship, and we interviewed Dr. Marissa Franco. She is an expert on friendship. She has been researching theories on friendships for the last couple of years. I'm really excited about sharing this again with you because we had talked about her writing her book when we recorded, and now it's actually coming out. It's called Platonic, is coming out in September. You can pre-purchase it now. And as you listen to these episodes, I really want you to take the findings and insights that you get from Dr. Marissa, or maybe even experiences that me, Rose, and Madotti share, and see what you can apply to your own life and your own friendships. I love this saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you can nail down your friendships, you can go really far in your career. Without further ado, here's our two-parter on friendship featuring Dr. Marissa Franco. Medadi, we are talking about one of my favorite subjects today, and that is friendship. When was the last time you made a friend?
1: You know what? That's an easy one because it was actually the week of September 1st. It was right before my Activate conference where I got introduced to Brenda by somebody else because I needed help with something. And Brenda and I talked in the daytime and at night, literally one, two in the morning because I was working on the conference and she just poured her heart into it and just helped me. And it's amazing. Now we're even like prayer buddies. It just happened like that.
0: Wait, you hadn't met before?
1: Never, You met for the first time and
0: then you're like talking all the time.
1: And we met on the phone, like via text, like, hey, I want to introduce you to Mirati. And then I'm like, okay, I need help with this. And it was really, I would say, out of desperation that I agreed to, because I don't know if I would have agreed to meet anybody new. I actually needed the help. I was desperate for the help. They introduced us. She was willing to do it. And then we got on the phone. We got on Zoom. And honestly, for like six days straight we talked throughout the day in the middle of the night she would text me hey I found this out for you or I can help you with this it's crazy how you can connect with someone that you didn't even know so fast so fast but you know what I think because I was so open to it.
0: You made this friend out of desperation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and because you needed someone. So like you kind of had a purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I just want to meet someone and make a friend. You're like, no, I need someone in my
1: life today. (laughs) Yes, And it just turned out that, yes, she helped me, but the relationship got so much deeper. It's incredible. I'm really fortunate and so grateful to have her as my friend beyond what she was able to help me with.
0: Well, we're going to talk a lot about making friends as adults today because it is such a huge aspect of our everyday lives. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr.
2: Marissa G. Franco. I am a psychologist and a friendship expert and I'm
0: currently writing a book on how to make friends as an adult called Platonic. She's done just a ton of research on how to best make friends, how to keep them, what stops us from making friends, how to move forward. I write for psychology
2: today. I do some speaking on how to build relationships in the workplace. I'm trained to do research, but I'm also trained to practice as a psychologist.
0: I think it's really important to find people who like to do the things that you like to do And it's sometimes easier said than done.
1: Absolutely. I think it's also important to find people that are rooting for you, right? I take friendship very seriously. While I have a lot of associates, I feel that I have a handful of friends that I can trust with my life.
0: Dr. Marissa taught us about the liking gap where people think that friendships are formed naturally, organically, no effort has been involved. Researchers
2: ask people to interact with a stranger. And then after they interacted, they asked, you know, the two people, how much did you like the person that you interacted with? One of the biggest barriers is people think that it should happen organically. It should be natural. I shouldn't have to really try. And I think that can also be a problem that people have with networking. They're, they're not putting themselves out there as much.
0: We tend to underestimate our first impressions, and we tend to overthink why people would want to reach out to us in the first place. So when that happens, then we don't want to make friends because we're afraid that they're not going to like us. And all this doubt comes crawling in.
1: I don't know that I've ever approached it as I'm going to make a new friend. Even the new friend that I have, it started out as a business relationship. I didn't know that it would turn into a friendship. Most of my friendships are from early childhood. I don't know that I have any new, new friends outside of my childhood friends. When I had my conference, I had two of them who flew in to come and help me out. No questions asked, nothing. I did not have to ask for any help or support. They were just there. Those are all friends that I had for a long time. Now I have really amazing relationships, That just turned into friendships. I wouldn't have planned it. Like I know that I never said they're going to be my friend. It just naturally turned into a friendship.
0: That's amazing because a lot of people assume that things are going to happen naturally, but they don't always. And one of the pieces of advice that Dr. Marissa gives us is that we do need to put some effort in. But what stops us from putting effort in is that we don't think people want to talk to us. I would say
2: people like you more than you know and that you will probably be very pleasantly surprised when you make the effort to connect with people that they're a lot more open to you than you might think they are and to get in touch with what you do have to offer people even if you might feel like I'm shy I'm awkward or I'm introverted like all of us has things within us that makes us you know great socially a good person to have in other people's lives great friends all of us have those strengths for me it's like oh, I think I can be pretty insightful. And that's something that I might tell myself when I'm going into a new group of people like, oh, let me remind myself that I have the strength of mine. And so I'm of value to other people. And so reminding yourself of your value, assuming other people like you, assuming other people will be more open to you, assuming that you'll enjoy connecting with people than you assume. Because again, according to research, that's true. Most of us underestimate how much joy we'll get from connecting with other people. I think those are all ways to sort of rev yourself up to actually get the courage and go out there and reach out to people.
0: I wonder if it doesn't come as easily or as naturally as you think. Like, I wonder if there's some effort that you put in that you're not even noticing. Like, maybe you're not fearing that people are going to reject you at work because friendships at work are just like friendships anywhere else. So, when you're meeting people, it sounds like you're confident, like, hey, nice to meet you. Let's get to work. And you're yes. not really caring about what they think.
1: <laughs> so I think when I meet people, right, I'm generally interested in them, but I don't know that I think like, hey, I want this person to be my friend. Those have become probably most of the long-term and most genuine relationships because it wasn't forced. It just kind of happened.
0: From personal experience, like me becoming friends with you, you were like, let's just jump in. Yeah. Like you had the trust because Rosa introduced us, right? So that wasn't there, but you're like, okay, now let's talk. And we were able to connect without Rosa and just build our own relationship. It was pretty easy, honestly.
1: (laughs) That's a good point from somebody that met me and we became friends. Like, for example, Rosa introduced us. I trust Rosa. She's my friend. I'm not going to let her down. So I want to make sure that I'm there for you. You're genuine. We had mutual interests. We want to help women. And I think that connection brought us also together in different ways. Even in my conversations with Brenda, where she was helping me and then we connected, right? And that's how our friendship grew.
0: It sounds like, Merati, it's pretty easy for you to make friends. And we know from research that it's not easy for everyone. You know, when we think about asking for things, about building relationships, about asking someone for a coffee, about
2: asking someone for an informational interview, we fear rejection. We might project, oh, they don't want to talk to me. I'm imposing on them. They don't want to hear from me. And the truth is that just because that's what you're thinking doesn't mean it's true. And you're a lot more likely to be accepted than you think
0: you are. Some people are afraid that people aren't going to like them. They try to protect themselves. They're so afraid of the negative consequences that it stops them from pursuing relationships. And that's a problem, but it's real and people do deal with it. But the research shows that when you meet someone, people aren't going to hate you. People think that's happening, but actually people like you more than you know. There's a point at which the desire
2: to protect yourself becomes a harm to yourself, right? Self-protection becomes self-harm at some point. When you're rejecting people before they reject you, when you're not letting people in and you're not experiencing all those benefits, the health, longevity, the beauty, the feelings of connected with other people, the feeling of being replenished and rejuvenated, the feeling of being seen and known, all of those are something that you might be missing out on in your journey to self-protect. And so, It might just seem like, oh, I'm protecting myself by doing this. But also think about, okay, what are the ways that I'm harming myself to get yourself in a place that you might be more open to building connections with new people?
0: I am super intentional about making friends. Yes, some happen naturally. But because I moved to a new city last year, I was like, I need friends. And I literally went on Instagram, looked for the hashtag of the city that I lived in, looked for people that I thought were cool. And now the first person I reached out to was a couple who had a coffee business. They're literally my best friends now after two years of being here and me researching San Pedro, California hashtag. I like your pictures. You look cool. You like coffee. I like coffee. Let's become friends. And then we did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I moved to Texas. I did not have friends woo, for four years. I have that I consider friends in Texas, probably two And I don't know if it is maybe the environment that you grew up in, because I remember moving to Texas and neighbors coming in to say hi. And I'm like, why are these people so nice? Got to remember, I'm from
0: (laughs) the East Coast. Because you're from New Jersey.
1: (laughs) And I remember one of my friends was visiting it and this old lady came in, she's bringing me cake and I'm just like not letting her in my house. She's like, why don't you let her in? I'm like, I don't know her. I don't know what her intentions are. (laughs) (laughs) I got issues. (laughs) Uh, So I totally did not trust, but I think I did not allow or open the door for people to become my friends.
0: I've been following Dr. Marissa for about a year now because my own personal journey and finding friends and making friends, I had some negative experience with lifelong friends. I had a friend of 20 years, like literally break up with me and say, we can't be friends anymore with no explanation. It was very hurtful. So I went on a journey to figure out for myself, like, how do I make friends and keep them? And what's important to me in a friendship? Something that I've learned recently is that I like friends or people in general who are quote unquote, so extra. So Manati, <laughs> you totally fit this category because <laughs> you're like, I want to do something for women. Well, actually, and it's not just a podcast. You're like, I'm going to put a whole conference on during a pandemic. Like that is so extra. <laughs> um, but I, I have a lot of friends that like do things, they don't just do things like a little bit, they go all out. One friend for my birthday, she said, oh, I'll make you breakfast. Well, she made this ginormous breakfast board that fit the entire table with mini pancakes and sausage and homemade jam and quiche. And it was just like this huge old thing. And my brother came and he didn't just bring stuff for mimosas. He brought like this fancy champagne. And I've just been realizing that everyone in my life is so extra in their own way.
1: Oh my God. I I love that. And those are
0: all my new friends. Like (laughs) That's like one of my criteria. When you're in a room, do you ever look for Latinas or
1: people of color? So this is an unconscious bias that I dealt with for a long time. When I was growing up in the environment that I was in, one of the things that I realized was that every time I walked in the room, I always made friends with Black women. Because when I was growing up, those were the ones that helped me throughout my career journey through high school. I had to be really conscious about it because my childhood friends are Latinas, right? But then I have this other whole set of friends that are black women. And it wasn't until, I don't know, I was at a conference or something where they did this exercise and I was like, "Holy cow, I have like this unconscious bias that I never realized. I'm feel safe consciously walking into a room and going towards the women of color. That's where I felt safe.
2: I think, you know, as people of color, we have to be a little bit more discerning of our friendships that we make. I mean, of course, I think we should be like civil with everybody, but the people that we let in deeper, I think we do need to be more discerning. And so I say for people of color, like if you are feeling like you're in an unsafe environment, sort of develop these strategic relationships with people that you feel like can get you a little bit more.
1: It's been very few white friends. However, the ones that I do have, very close friends, because I I realized this was an unconscious bias that I had, that I had to be intentional, extremely intentional when I walk into a room to make sure that I was being open to everyone, which has been great because I would have missed out on so many amazing relationships.
0: How did you know that you had that bias
1: it was a few years ago. I can't remember how long, but I went to this conference talking about, ask yourself these questions when you walk into a room, just exactly what you asked me, who do you gravitate to? And I started looking at my friends list and I realized that I did not have many white friends outside of probably the few that I went to high school with. And One of the things that made me think is, why did I think that? Like, I had to really look back at my life. Why do I not trust white women? And it took me back to my childhood. And one of the things that was a breakthrough for me at the time is they said, when you look at this person, at this woman, you have to look at her for who she is, not for who she represents. Like, she doesn't represent every white woman.
2: So that could be people from your racial group. It could be maybe some allies from different groups that those people that you feel like you can feel safe around and be close to are the people that you develop relationships with. I think when we go through racism and discrimination, we desire to protect ourselves.
1: And it made me think of a time where I remember I had gone to a party And somebody had mentioned to them that I was Puerto Rican and the woman said, oh, I hate Puerto Ricans because of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Right. That was harsh. Nice to meet you, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And when I realized it was the experiences that you've had with a relationship of a Puerto Rican. When she heard a Puerto Rican woman, she immediately categorized me or saw me as every single Puerto Rican, which is not true. And you see that we go through that now in society. What
2: happens is we then say that, you know, this white person did something to me. All white people I no longer want to develop relationships with. And I've honestly done that in the past, too. And it's a self-protection mechanism. Honestly, you're like, I don't want to be vulnerable to like experiencing this anymore.
1: I had to really look in and face those fears that in my mind, I guess it was that young girl who was feeling, hey, this person can hurt you because that's what they did for many years. Wow. It was pretty deep. I mean, I couldn't believe that I got that from this small conference I went to, but it was powerful. And I've been able to have amazing friends help me throughout my career, but I would have totally missed out of that if I didn't realize what my own biases were.
0: I think I have biases that I turn on and off depending on where I am. And just as you were talking, I was starting to ask myself, where am I biased? Because I grew up in a white school and in a white church. And in some cases, like I remember when I was in high school, there are these Latina girls who had just joined our church and I was like glued to them. I was so excited to finally have someone that looked like me But later in business settings, when I saw Latinas, that like unconscious bias, I think it popped up at times and I avoided them because I assumed that they were going to treat me the way other Latinas in business had treated me, where they were jealous. They didn't like that I wasn't first generation. They were rude to me. And so I vividly remember instances where if I saw a Latina or a white person, I would go to the white person because I knew they would accept me based on past experience versus other Latinas.
1: In high school, I went back to live in Puerto Rico with my grandmother for a year. My own kind didn't accept me. (laughs) They were like, (laughs) look at this green guy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was born and raised here until like, (laughs) you know, two years ago. But they did not like me because I was no longer one of them.
0: One of my friends sent me this. It's a little bit long, but I want to read it, and I want to hear what you think. The highest honor of friendship isn't getting invited to that party or out on a girls' weekend. It's not clinking champagne glasses at fancy brunches or wearing matching shirts on a beach in Florida. That's all nice and good and special, but it's not what it's about, not at all. The real honor of friendship is being invited into someone's real. It's getting an invitation into the nitty gritty, the not so pretty, the hard stuff, the vulnerable stuff, the weird stuff, the unpolished stuff. It's being welcomed into a home where the sink is full of dishes and the laundry is covering the couch. It's entering the places of heartache and pain It's sitting cross-legged in old sweats on the floor and laughing until you cry. It's carrying around the secrets that you've been trusted to keep. It's listening and hearing. It's holding space for each other. It's answering phone calls just to talk something through. The highest honor of friendship isn't found in beautifully planned events or brightly filtered
1: photos. I love that. When I was working on the conference, my real friends, what I would say, were coming over. And my husband's like, Oh my God, the house is a mess. Miradi, are you not embarrassed? And I'm like, No, those are my real friends. Like, they'll probably help me clean because that's just who they are, <laughs> you know? And he's like, Where are they gonna sleep? I'm like, with me? He's like, really? Like, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we have to catch up and talk and this and that. So believe it or not, here in Texas, I don't have many really good friends, like I said, two. So he's never seen me with my extended family, which are my friends, right? They come in and they see the good, the bad and the ugly. And I'm so comfortable that the sink is dirty. I'm looking crazy. You know, the kids are running around and I'm like, those are my friends. They're not going to judge me. Those are absolutely the people that I would want on my side all day, any day.
0: It's so great when you can have people in your space, whether it's via technology or in person. The number one preventer of depression is confiding
2: in other people close to you. And I think it's just, like, further evidence that, like, our relationships, our social support, you know, that and probably, like, sleep maybe <laughs> are, like, some of the number one things that, like, fortify our psychological immune system that better prepare us to go out into the world. You know, if we have a place that we feel safe, we can go out and take more risks and be more bold because we know that we can fall back on that space and with those people.
0: When we can be real with each other and calm as our full selves— that's the only way we're going to be able to connect with other people. Just like you said, if people see you with everything crazy, like that's just a normal part of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to our listeners who are feeling shy or hesitant about building friendships right now? Like what, what kind of encouragement would you give them? My
1: husband would tell you a year ago, he said, why don't you meet the neighbors? I was like, I don't want any friends. I have enough. <laughs> So I'm telling you it is very different advice that I would give today. Absolutely. It is so much easier for me to call my girlfriends and say, Hey, I need help with this, or do you know somebody that can help me? versus just networking and talking to strangers. For me, it is very hard to ask other people for help versus if this is a person that's already been in my life, I wouldn't be afraid to ask you for something. And it's worth it, it's so much worth it. I feel like I've missed out on a lot of friendships because I wasn't open, but that's not the case today. And I'm so fortunate to have taken the opportunity to speak to other people.
2: It's not something that you should wait for. It's something that you have to go out there and get. Taking it upon yourself, like taking personal responsibility for creating those relationships. It takes work. It feels vulnerable and it takes work.
0: Have you ever had a friend break up with you?
1: That's a great question. I don't think I ever had. Have you?
0: I have. It was like bachelor style. You know, at the end of The Bachelor, when they're ready to propose and you don't know if the person's going to choose you or the other one for the rest of your lives, (laughs) that was like exactly how I felt because I had this friend. Things were kind of rocky. I thought it was just a weird season for us. We'd been friends for 20 years since high school. And one day over ice cream, I was like, we should hang out. So we went for ice cream. She said, "Alisa." I love you, but we can't be friends anymore. And I was like, what? Like completely, completely thrown off. And I said, am I toxic? Am I dysfunctional? Did I do something? And we talked for a little while and I was asking her all these questions and she said, I don't know. And she recalled a story where She, like, went out of her way for me several times, and then there was another time where she had let me down, and I I told her about it, and she said she felt so guilty for letting me down that she didn't like that feeling,
1: and she felt like we shouldn't be friends. I thought she she was dating your man or something like that because to break up with you that (laughs) way… (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice. It was heartbreaking. I remember I came home and I actually, I think I drove straight to my parents' house because I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just started bawling like you would in a breakup. It was just out of nowhere. It was devastating. And and now I can talk about it fine. I can laugh about it. But in the moment, it was like just a shock.
1: I guess I could see if my best friend was too tell me she didn't want to talk to me anymore. Well, maybe that's why they don't tell me because I would go to their house and be like, why wouldn't you talk to me? <laughs> <Got one> <laughs> <answers>. <laughs> we can't break up. It's unacceptable. Friends don't break up. But I do believe that people grow out of friendships.
0: Growing up together, you plan out your lives and then she had these big milestones and I wasn't a part of it. And I remember when she got married, it kind of hurt again because it reminded me that like I'm not part of her life. week we talked to Dr. Marissa Franco and there were so many great things that she taught us about friendship that we wanted to continue the conversation and talk about one the importance of friendship because as adults it's really important to have friends they make your life better and I think one of the reasons why not having friends is so painful is because when you do have friends it helps you. It helps you with your mental health. It helps you with your well-being. It's someone you can connect to. It's someone who knows you and you know them. But it's not always amazing or wonderful. It's not always rainbows and butterflies.
3: So what I wanted to ask you guys is, do you actually have like very specific Core non negotiables that for you actually become your framework to let friends go. Oh, to let friends go. Yeah. Because I I actually, I have to say, I think I do. I think there are some very basics and fundamentals for me that... I cannot, and I know it sounds maybe it sounds ca- even counter to what we always say. But for instance, I had a really good friend in my neighborhood. She and I would do a lot of things for the kids when the kids were growing up. You know, like big things, big parties. Uh, we were all in each other's houses all the time. Spent a lot of time together. And then she, at one one fine day, she said some very racist comments in my living room, that I just could not believe that it was coming out of her mouth. And it really hurt me. It hurt me. And I was so preoccupied that my son was next door and I did not want him to hear what she was saying. And I remember I held her by her shoulders and I kept saying, are you listening to yourself? And she was so convinced that what she was saying, it was okay. I won't say it here, but it was it was okay for her to say that. And she could not understand that I wasn't on the same page. At that moment, I asked her to leave my house. And I said, you're no longer welcome in my house as long as you continue to have those views about people who do not look like you or haven't had the opportunities that you've had. And In the meantime, I'll say hello and good morning to you, but this is it. And that was six years ago, and that was that. And it was mind-blowing. I mean, I know it's an extreme, but I just felt that I just could not have, could no longer have a relationship with this friend slash neighbor. Was that the
0: last straw, or were there other things that led up to it?
3: It's interesting because I knew our political views were very different, but I was okay with that. I think and Mirari is great at that. And and I, I do look for others' perspectives. It's not just about mine, right? I actually seek for those perspectives. So I knew that was there, but that didn't bother me in the slightest. We did a lot of volunteering work together. As I said, we we used to do a lot for the community and for our neighborhood. We used to do a lot of again, involvement in the school, parties, et cetera, together, bring the neighborhood together, et cetera. Maybe it was at a point where she felt comfortable saying those things that sometimes like you peel back and it's hard for you to understand that folks have this very, I don't know, conviction about in this case, about how races are different and the result of who you are, or how you grow or end up being is as a result of what color of your skin has. That was like, for me, it's like, I can't. That's too much for me. I let it go. And I let it go, like I said, I physically put it out of my house. And I think it's probably one of the most extreme things that I've ever done with friendships. I
1: agree. For me, it's been... Respect. To me, that is something that is a core. (laughs) If I can't trust you to respect me or my beliefs, doesn't mean you have to agree, but respect me, then I don't see why we should even be friends. Now, I have walked out of people's houses, I guess, because I felt that where the conversation was going, it was going to get out of hand. But I've also have Ended up talking to them about it later and trying to understand what happened, what went wrong, and how can we make it better? Only because these relationships that I had, they've been for a long time. Like I have long time friends. I only have a few new friends, I would say. <laughs> and that is because it's got to be somebody that if I let you in my life, I trust you. And then two, you got to be in, respectful. Yeah, once you're in, you're in. I guess I don't let you out. It's kind of creepy, but it's (laughs) but it is once you're in, you're in. Like I I wanna I want to work things out. I want to understand. I guess to your point, Alisa, in your story earlier, you wanted to understand what happened. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Because I take it so seriously. Like friendships are so serious. But I can tell you this if somebody is disrespectful or does something to violate my trust, I don't know that I will go straight up and break up with them. I just think, like, I can't even bother.
0: I feel like you should be able to work things out if the friendship is worth it. And one of the things that I could say I suffered from, I didn't know the term until Dr. Marissa taught us it. It's called ambiguous loss when it's very hard for us to grieve something because we don't have
2: closure from it. And so it's like, it's like when you get ghosted, like all of a sudden now you're obsessed with the person because like your, your brain doesn't know how to uh, process it because you don't have any sort of, it's not coherent to you. You don't understand what's going on. And that's makes it really hard to move on. So if you're close with someone at work, then I would suggest giving them that reason why you want to step back and making it as professional as possible. You know, like I've enjoyed the time we spent together, but I'm just realizing we're not as compatible as I might have initially thought. Um, But I just hope that we can still work really well together and not holding anything against you.
0: Um,
2: Something as easy
0: as that. For me, I spent probably an hour talking to her trying to find out why. If she would have said like, you're the worst person I've ever met, I would have been okay with it because I would have gotten closure. But one of the things that Dr. Marissa suggests, and anytime you're having a friendship issue, is that you have an open conversation. So if you feel like someone is taking too much or doing something that bothers you, it's really important to be open and talk about the issue at hand, which is easier said than done.
2: Your desire is not only to be heard in that conversation, but it's also to hear the other person. Like, what do you think? What are your needs? And this is really based off of this theory called reciprocity theory, which is something that, you know, is really important to me as I think about friendship. Reciprocity theory is the idea that kindness begets kindness, meanness begets meanness, whatever emotion we put out, we get back. And so if I'm approaching a conversation with my friend, like I'm about to tell you about yourself, they're about to tell me about myself too. (laughs) I want to hear and understand your views here. And I would also like to share my own then you're a lot more likely to get a different response from your friend. And so it's being able to be upfront about and make known things that typically fall to the wayside and then people don't know what our expectations are and then they might hurt us and they may rupture them and they don't even know.
1: I don't have any confrontation problems. Like I had friends that I would just call them out right away on it. But I also know that I lose a little bit of, (laughs) I don't know if there's a friendship level. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you drop down a notch. I drop down a notch, right? <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, Marati."
1: <laughs> I'm not going to Like tell I don't her. put my Yeah, like like let's say Alisa, I, you and I talked and you're going to do me a favor or whatever it may be, and you let me down once. I'd be like, "Alisa, what happened?" But then I I don't put myself in the position for you to do that to me again. And What do you
0: mean? So for like do you step you step back then? I step back. Oh, okay.
1: I step back because it hurt me. If you ask me for something. If I can't deliver, I'm going to go or whatever it is, right? It's a friendship. Like if we're supposed to go together or do something and it can't happen, I understand if there's a real good reason, right? But if there isn't, then what I've seen myself do is I step back and I won't ask you again for a favor. I won't ask you none of that stuff. Will we talk and be courteous to each other? Absolutely. But I, I have a hard time putting myself in a position where I'll get my feelings hurt. It's a wall. I put a wall to protect myself, right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think what you're referring to is reciprocity theory. So if someone's not giving to you, you don't want to give to them. And sometimes we come into relationships where the person's a taker and you start noticing. And you're like, okay, I'm giving and giving and giving and there's
1: nothing coming back. No, that's true too. And I enjoy giving. It's like something I actually enjoy to do. So it's not like if you ask me for something, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't ask you. You know what I mean? Either, because (laughs) I'm like, you're not hurting my feelings again.
0: (laughs) But have you ever tried? Because Dr. Marissa says that if someone's a taker, don't judge them right away and decide that they're never going to be able to give, but try asking them to give back and then decide if it's unhealthy. So you're like, do you give chances? I guess that's what I'm wondering. I do.
1: I do. And my husband's always like, man, you give too many chances. And I do, but I guess, let me explain the chances that I give. Okay. (laughs) So the chances are, I will let you back into my life, but I won't get into yours. Does that make sense?
0: I heard someone describe our life like circles. So you have, it's like, think of a target and you have different like rings of the circle. And that's where you you have people in your inner circle. And then you have people way on the outside, like your acquaintances. And you can just move people from one ring to the next ring of the circle, depending on how your relationship goes. You
1: just solved the biggest puzzle in my life. Definitely. (laughs) I moved them to a different ring. (laughs) They're still my friends. I just moved into a different ring. And and I love that. I love that analogy because there are friends that let's say you would take with you places. I don't know. I'm using this a camping trip and there are other friends where you would take to a spa. Does does that make sense? No,
0: it doesn't. I don't know what you mean. I want different kinds of friends. Okay. Like camping, like something where you're like, You're just together and spa is like intimate conversations. Is that what you mean?
1: Um, I look at camping at like the raw me. Oh, okay. Right? Like let you into my dirty house, my dirty laundry, my, you know, whatever. Um, Because you see all of somebody on when you're camping versus in a spa, everything is like, oh, Oh, you you have
0: champagne, you have your cute robe.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Got it.
1: That's kind of how I look at it. It's it's very different.
3: So I think doing a relationship mapping and utilizing that ring theory and then looking and see which of my friendships I've let go, but I would like to bring into closer to the ring, right closer to the center where I am. It's a really good exercise is you just put it in a piece of paper. You put yourself in the center And then you plot everybody depending on how close they are to you and what makes them closer to you versus not. And then you start uh, mapping out that relationship and then you start formulating then um, what do I need to do to strengthen it or or maybe to let it go. And it could be very fulfilling and, and very action orientated, especially when you may be just struggling with a few of those relationships or friendships. Wow.
1: I mean, wow. that's, that takes work. I like it, though. Listen, I'm just going to say this. If I start doing this relationship mapping and I start asking people to be my best friends and they reject me.
3: Well, come cry to us. We'll it for you. <laughs> but it's not about becoming your best friend, right? It's more about, I think there's like different faces, right? You do this relationship mapping and it's just a matter of like looking at it and see, you know, it's also, what are you gaining from them? Are they satisfying you? And what are you giving back to those friends as well? And then what does that map tells you? It tells a lot about how you're conducting yourself. It tells you a lot what it is that you value and who you value. And it probably will tell you a lot. And the other way, it might open up an incredible conversation. If you're struggling with a relationship and you're sharing that map and you're sharing why, you know, you have that friend closer or further apart from you? And what would be that needs to be done in order to maybe resolve it to a common understanding of placement, if we can call it that way? I am very pragmatic about time and I compartmentalize really well. So in my mind, there's only certain time in the day, in the week, in the month, in the year to be able to do everything that I have to do. And that includes spending time with my friends and spending quality time with my friends. So when I look at my friends, it's a little bit of looking at a bookshelf. And I'm thinking, are all those books that I have on that shelf, the books that bring me joy? Because there's only certain space on that shelf and it's prime real estate. So it's the same thing for me with friendships. When I look at my friendships, I look, are those all friendships on the shelf, the right ones? Because there's only certain time that I can allocate to all of that. And I need to make sure that those friendships are the ones that bring me that joy, that energize me. Those are the friends that I actually want to spend time with. Those are the friends that I want actively to lift up. And those are the friends that are on my shelf now as we know, and as we've discussed and will discuss, some of those friendships, sometimes, you know, they're not fulfilling you or they're giving you, you know, they're taking the power away from you. So at that moment is when I look at my shelf and I go, okay, which one is the one that needs to come out in order for me to be able to put another one in? I'm being kind of, I mean, I don't do this every day, but kind of conscious around, around it. Right. In terms of like, okay, if I'm going to dedicate if I just met somebody and I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to this new friendship, which one I am not going to or which one is the one that I may need to just maybe take off the shelf and, you know, put it in a drawer for a little while (laughs) so I can mature the others or bring some other ones in.
1: Rosa's harsh. Rosa's like, you're getting off the shelf. Yeah, and that's you're either it. Getting you're on done. or you're off. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you are like, oh, I'm just going to move you over one ring. Rosa's like, you're done, baby. You're like, dropping out of off. my house. <laughs> get out of
3: my house ever to be seen again. <laughs> no, but I mean, you guys, if you think about it, I know it's harsh, but the day has only set a number of hours. So you cannot provide the same level of... I don't know, love, I guess, uh, to all of the books on your shelf, right? You cannot read them all, obviously. You just need to manage that. That's why in my head is, you know, which are my favorites?
0: (laughs) Oh, we're getting deeper on your shelf theory. I didn't know there were
3: favorites. I was excited to be on the shelf. Which books do you reread all the time, Alisa? Come on, come on, help me. (laughs)
0: Hey, it's Alisa. If you would like to connect with me, Rosa, or Medadi, go ahead and find Color Forward Podcast on LinkedIn. And we are always there. I use it all the time to reach out to executives or women who I would love to see on the podcast. One of the things that we love to do on the Color Forward page is give tips and tools for how to actually advance in the workplace. So the conversations that we have here, we're also talking about there. And we would love to hear from from you to see what you have to say. Follow us on LinkedIn and share it out with your co-workers, employer resource group, or whoever you think would benefit from advancing multicultural women in the workplace. 2020 has not been what anyone has expected, but it's October and I'm already thinking about 2021. And I really think that how you show up now sets the tone for the future. And I wanna help get you ready for 2021 with an interactive workshop called Gearing Up for 2021 and Beyond. We're going to create strategies for growth in the next year. And we're going to start carving a path forward for both our personal and professional lives you also find an accountability at the end to keep you going throughout the year. You can go to thehappycactus.club. It's 90 minutes. It is Wednesday, November 18th at 12 p.m. Pacific. And I hope to see you there. You were talking about outgrowing friends. How do you know it's time to go separate ways?
1: I think it's when we lose interest on the same things. It's what I would say. For example, I noticed that when I moved to Texas now, that was a move, obviously. So you are moving away (laughs) from your friends. And actually, let me give you an example. I was the last one to get married uh, among my friends and the last one to have small kids. And one of the things that I noticed is that I do a lot of different things now because my kids are small that I don't do with my friends who have kids who are in high school or ready to go into college. That doesn't mean that we have walked away from each other's lives. My best friend's son is, is in senior in high school, but we don't do a lot of the same things together. So I've gained other friends because of you know the soccer games on the weekends and things like that, that happen. but. The other thing that I would say is, even when I used to run the marathons, I had friends that I would run with every weekend because we all have to be crazy to get up and run, you know, ten miles on a, on a day. <laughs> but they were—we became really good friends. We shared a lot of things together. A lot of, to your point, a lot of those personal things that you don't talk about with everybody. And you're vulnerable and it makes you feel good after the run, after the walk, whatever it is, and just having those conversations where I don't do that anymore and we are not together, right? We don't do those things. What saddens me many times is like, wow, I wish we had more in common because something Rosa said earlier is like, I miss the conversations that we may have had, however, Their kids are hanging out with other kids, and my kids are still little, so there are different activities that I do. But do I miss those conversations? Yeah, because I think what we had was more than just the running partners, but unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way.
0: One of the things that Dr. Marissa says is if you're giving people a chance, you want to look at the signs of, is this healthy or unhealthy? So is this person rooting for my
2: success or are they trying to tear me down, right? Are they just taking from me? Does it seem like they have my best interests at heart, right? Do they show that they like and value me? Like those are a lot of questions that you could ask yourself to assess the health of your friendship. And if they are a taker and it doesn't seem like they like love and value you, they don't show love to you. They're not there when you need them. They're not rooting for your success. They seem jealous. Like Then that might not be a a healthy relationship
0: for you necessarily. We should assume that maybe someone just had a bad day or they got busy. They didn't text you back. It's not that big of a deal. They weren't being intentionally malicious towards you. But I wonder if we do that too much, if we assume good intent too many times. Like, do we let people hurt us over and over again and give them too much space? Or do we clam up and not let anybody in because
1: of all the times we've been hurt? Well, for me, I just move them in and out of those rings. Right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but whether to, you like it or not, <laughs> whether you like, I don't, t- I probably don't tell. Actually, I know I don't tell them because I don't want to have that conversation. And maybe that's the piece that's missing. I don't want to actually, let me take that back. I do have the conversation, tell you why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. I just don't tell them I moved you to the outer ring.
0: <laughs> have you ever had a conversation where you want to know what might bother the other person about you in a friendship?
1: That's a good one. I don't know that I've ever asked for that feedback.
0: Because that's another piece of reciprocity theory where she's like, see where the other person is coming from, but then you also put yourself aside and hear what might be bothering them about you, which no one wants to hear.
2: (laughs) And it's not always easy. Honestly, I've been trying to do it more in my life. Sometimes it's been so good. like I made my friend cry because she was like, I've never experienced conflict like this that feels so close and connecting. <laughs> but honestly, with other friends, it's been kind of difficult and it's been hard. And, you know, sometimes other people don't necessarily have the skills to engage in that conversation that you might want to. But for me, it's also like, this is something that I want in my relationships now. And so it's almost like if you are able to meet me there, that's almost like a sign that I feel like this relationship can deepen and become the friendship that I really want.
1: One of the things that I do and... Any of my longtime friends know this because they've probably been through the process with me is I definitely say what it is that I'm feeling and and what is wrong. I take the accountability. If it is like, hey, I'm sure there was something that I did wrong because you acted A, B, C or D, I take the accountability and that's good, but I don't dwell on it. Like once it's done, it's done. And it's like, let's just go back to being who we were. If that's even ever possible, right? Because now you're in the outer ring. So we got to work back in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it takes time to come back. Complicated. (laughs) It is. It is. So you do have a choice. We all have a choice. If our relationships are good or bad, we have a choice on how close in the ring we put them. Or in Rose's terms, do we keep them on the shelf or do we take them off the shelf of our close friends? And the first one is how satisfied are we? I think that's what you're talking about with your running
1: friends. Like you had a lot in common, but you wanted to go deeper. We went deeper in our conversations, but when the running stopped, like our relationship stopped. And I thought that it was deeper than that. It was almost like the interest brought us together. And as the interests change, as we grew up, the friendship changed.
0: Well, the next factor of staying in a relationship is actually looking at our alternatives. So you have your best friend. If you're like, you know what? I'm already friends with you. We already have a lot in common. I'm probably not going to find anyone else. That's a factor in staying friends with a person.
3: Part of what I value in friendships is folks who know me and keep me honest So those who actually can tell me, you are not walking the talk, so why are you behaving this way? Or those who say, you say that you want to expand your network or support other women and you're not doing it, Rosa, as much as you said that you want to do it. Let me help you figure it out. Or those who tell you, you look terrible. You're not taking care <laughs> of yourself, right? Those, you like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was the last time, Alita, you told
0: me I look terrible? <laughs> I don't think I've ever told you. To, I have told you when you look amazing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's true. You, I, I value that quite a bit. I value friends who care for me to tell me that I am not taking care of myself for instance that is something that I value quite a bit in friendships I also and I think I've shared this with you many times before I also like friends who lie to me (laughs) (laughs) but I, I we are there to lift each other up and sometimes you just have to lie yes I do like it when people are telling me, you look awful. But there are some times that I may look awful and I need a to tell me, Rosa, <laughs> you look great. <laughs> you I'm see, never lying. Women. I have rose-colored <laughs> glasses for you, Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Sometimes you need both. I guess it's the balance for me, right? That friends should really be there because they care for you. So they'll be able to choose one way or the other, to make sure that, you know, that they're there, that they're there when you need them, that they're there in the good and the bad, and they know how to manage you in those moments. Those are like really, really good and true friendships and relationships.
0: That's another factor in seeing a relationship. How much time have you invested already?
3: So as human beings, if we've invested a
2: lot of time into something, we're more likely to want to continue the relationship, which is like, why it's a bad idea if you just met someone a month ago on a dating app to like go to Mexico with them, because then you're going to feel like I've invested so much in them. I should stay with them. (laughs) And so the same thing is true for like friendships that we might have outgrown just because we've invested a lot. We assume that, you know, we should continue this relationship when that's not necessarily true. And I think we need to like normalize outgrowing relationships when people we don't feel like ourselves around someone, when we feel drained after interacting with someone, when we don't feel like we have our similar values, when they don't have our best interests at heart, I think those are all subsides.
0: What's important for people to understand is, number one, friendships are worth it, and they're important. They are good for your health. They are good for a long-lasting life. But in order to keep your friendships where you want them, you have to work on them and you have to have open conversations and you have to develop trust and you have to give and you have to recognize when people are not giving.
1: Whether it's relationship mapping, whether it's friends on the shelves or not, is that it takes work from both ends. And it just depends how much work do you want to put into the relationship? And key word, how much work? Because if it is taking away from your joy, if it is difficult to work on it, then you should reconsider. But it does take some type of work. It can't just be a one-way street.
0: I would like to invite you to look at your friendships map it out whether you physically make circles on a piece of paper and map out all your friends or just take some time to think about it. I want to give you permission from all of us here at Color Forward to let go of the friendships that are not serving you and let go of the friendships that are not bringing you joy and let go of the people who are not valuing you and rooting for your success. The friends that are going to root for your success, the friends that are going to be there for you when you're camping, (laughs) when you're at your worst, those are the friends to keep. Spend your time cherishing and developing those friendships and working on them. And you will be so much happier and more fulfilled. If you're not sure and you're wondering if it's time to let someone go, it's time to let them go. more inspiring stories please subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts if you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show send us a dm on instagram at color pod i'm elisa manhadas producer of color forward thanks for joining us and please leave us a review